0: If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's.
1: Hip-hop sells everything. It is the preeminent and dominant culture on this planet. And we are the exporters of it. We are the actual creators. It's time for us to profit off of all of this cultural equity that we lead these entertainment conglomerates with. We spend a lot of time monetizing our art form for them. But this is culture. Culture doesn't just exist in music. Culture resonates everywhere. Take that cultural equity out of the music and put it into something that benefits you. Find your burger.
2: (laughs) Fine. What's up, my
1: brother? Good, man. It's good to see y'all back in Texas for again. Sure, for uh, sure. I got it right. Can I get it right? Good
2: enough. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we go. Comes yes. very good. Hirsky. Yes, Skirsky. Wow. First of all, man, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. The
1: hard work definitely pays off.
2: Yeah, the last time we spoke was at South by Southwest a year ago or two years, two years ago? Two years ago. Two years ago. Yeah. And you were just starting. Yes. You didn't have a brick and mortar. Um, but now, sensational all over the internet. Everybody's talking about it. And we're in your first brick and mortar location.
1: Yes. This, this building signifies so much for all of us. Myself, Andy, Nick. Mike and Fernando, the owners of Trill Burger, like this company started outside under a tent in the H-Town summer, which is like a 100 degree weather, outside with the people. Not only was I outside, my staff were outside, but also the people we wanted to try the burger were outside, you know what I'm saying? So even today, it's never really been an easy process to get a Trill Burger. Mm-hmm. Um, you, even with the brick and mortar, it's as streamlined as it's ever been, but there's Because of the fact there's a high demand for the product, there's always a line. So people got to stand in line. People got to deal with weather. People got to find somewhere to park. It could be a couple of levels of inconvenience that could deter people from even wanting to try the product. But once they get the burger and they have the burger, they realize that, every bit of effort that it takes to get the burger is worth it. And that's what we pride ourselves on. People might complain about everything they take it may take to get a Trill Burger, but nobody's complaining about a Trill Burger.
0: So what, what was that that process of putting a product out in the summertime to deciding, you know what, the demand is so high, we have to have a physical location. Because everybody doesn't do that, right? People have a vision of, like, I, I make something that's really good, people love it. I can put it out on some of these festivals, but I never make a business out of it. So. How did you get to that point?
1: Well, I mean, the people basically demanded it, right? It was just the the reality that people wanted the burger more consistently than we were initially in a position to present the burger. People want a Trill burger all the time. We just weren't available to give them a burger all the time. But with a brick and mortar location, we're open seven days a week. So at some point during the week when you can make the time, we're here for you. That wasn't always the case. We had to find locations that we could cook at. We had to, I had to move a lot of my schedule around to actually make time. You know, at at a certain point, I realized that the only way this company was gonna win was if I prioritized it, you know? So I literally had to book less shows, less hostings, you know what I'm saying? Not travel as much, or if I was gonna travel, taking into consideration the possibility of presenting the burgers where I was going. So everything had to be reprioritized when this burger came in because we could all very easily see the long-term goals that could be achieved by really putting a lot of hard work and focus into this brand.
2: So walk us through the steps. We, everybody sees where it is now. Like you said, it started at the tent. Walk us through you having the idea, the vision, to even want to sell burgers, starting at the tent, and then getting to the point financially and Just, you know, building awareness enough to actually have this brick-and-mortar location.
1: Well, we knew we had an amazing product, right? When the product was brought to me and presented to me, um, because, you know, a lot of people think I invented this burger. Mm -hmm. And that's not true. You know what I'm saying? Um, But when this product was presented to me, it was far and away the best burger that I'd ever had. That that somebody
2: came to you with the idea? Yes,
1: yes. Friends of mine that I've known for years um, came to me with this opportunity. And I had every reason to say no, right? Mm -hmm. Because... It was, this was building this thing from the ground up, right? I had no I had no prior business experience in the food industry, so there was going to have to be a lot I had to learn, a lot of things I would have to sacrifice to even really be a part of this company and help build it. So I had a million reasons to say no, but I had one real good reason to say yes, and that was the burger. You know what I'm saying? I really believed in the product. And so I, I really just reprioritized my life and put everything into it. Um, And I treated the burger initially like it was an album because that was the only prior business experience I had had in presenting a product repeatedly. Right. So I used everything that I had learned in the music industry and, and brought it over to the food space. And luckily it works if you look at the music industry as a service industry. Mm-hmm. Right. you know, An album is a product that you have to work on, fine tune, and then you have to go around the world and present that product to people. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. There was no difference in my mind between a Bun B album and a Bun B burger. For one, I had a fan base already set up. So I was like, how can I get it to the people that I've already not only have a track record with, but have also built a level of trust with? Because that's what it really took to build this burger was trust. People trusting my opinion when I said I had the best burger in the world and I eventually through Good Morning America I was able to prove that right but it was just about getting people getting the burger in front of people we had no brick and mortar for two and a half years with this company so there was nowhere for people to even come and get the burger we had to consistently bring the burger to people but that was cool because that's what I already did for a living with the music we had to do the same thing get out on the road bring the music and perform in front of people so I used different spaces where I knew I had energy. And that was, you know, music festival. I was like, it's a three-day location, so I get three days of revenue. And if it's a hip-hop, R&B, music festival, I'm going to know some artist, DJ, road manager, manager, somebody in, the, in certain circles with some of these artists I'm going to have proximity to. And all I did was ask people to give me a chance to feed them. I wasn't asking for people to buy burgers or anything. I knew I had, you know, the the food equivalent of, you know, for lack of a better term, crack. I had that work. The dope sells itself. You know, so my <laughs> thing is, you know. You know the sales model, give them the first one free and they come back and buy the rest for life. And it actually worked and I, I'm very lucky that I have some friends who have a lot of eyes on them yeah. and a lot of people that they built up trust with is in the same way that I built up trust with my base. And so when they tried the burger and they started telling people this burger actually is as good as he says it is, it is, it it comforted people it made people like okay now i'm really intrigued it's okay if B says it because that's his burger i get that he's gonna think it's the best Uh, mothers think ugly children are beautiful all the time (laughs) um but when this this guy i know i trust i've been rocking with this guy for a long time if this guy says it's good i'm gonna have to actually try it now now i really want to know you know and and so we've we've been able to parlay these friendships into opportunities to present the burger to people who are so happy one not just the fact that the burger is good but two I got a lot of people that want to see me win because I've supported a lot of people in the in the process of them getting to a place where they could win and succeed I want everybody to win in this game you know what I'm saying it's, it's hard out here in this world it's tough it's not easy being successful no matter how talented you are no matter how hard you're willing to work it's still not easy you know what I'm saying so yeah. I've been lucky to sow into a lot of people who in turn became very influential people and are now sowing back into me through this food company. So you talked about reprioritizing your
0: life. So it came from music, but I wonder in this venture, you're now a full-time entrepreneur, full-time restaurateur, are you you learning the process? Are you leaning on your partners? Like What are some of the things that you have to learn on the business side? Because you did have the the music business and there were certain advantages that you had in that space. What are some of the similarities? What are the things you have to learn? Inside I'm still of learning. Yeah. I'm
1: still learning because at the end of the day, I would love to expand. Um, I would love to expand my brand. Right. But Trill Burgers is not just me. Trill Burgers is a multi um, multicultural ownership base with black, Latina, Asian and white ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, but if there are other places that I want to go and things I want to explore in this culinary space where I don't feel like I need that same collective of people in order to make certain things happen. The reason Trill Burger works in the way it does is because of the level of resources and experience that the owners collectively bring to the table. That's why this company grew to the size that it's grown over the time span that it's done so and it's continued to be successful. But there are other things that I want to do that may not necessarily lend themselves to Mike or Fernando's or Andy's or Nick's skill set. right? There's other dreams that me and my family may want to chase. And so in order for me to be fully immersed in that and take full advantage of it, I can't rely on Andy for everything. I can't call Mike and Nando every time I need to know answers. I've got to educate myself. And that is a constant state, right? Like I'm very new to this space. There's so much I don't know. I'm very lucky that I was able to walk in to this venture with people with years of experience because most people walk into this very blind with no experience, you know what I'm saying? But if those people can find success then I most certainly can find success because I would literally be starting from the top working backwards as if, as opposed to from the bottom working ups.
0: Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, But the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
2: Recently reading this book and it's um, saying that PR is three times more effective than ads. And you you're using influencers to like market the product right influencers as far as musicians so when you yes. see cj callick come in and he's saying how good it is or mike tyson or that those people obviously have large followings yes right and it's one thing for you to put a billboard to say try chill burgers the best burger ever but when they vouch for it now it's way more convincing right and I, that's how i was really started to know about it i mean i We had a conversation with you, but I'm seeing what's happening on social media. Yes. So that's a strategic marketing plan, like you said, that you're using your relationships. And those people have followings. And then when they see those people vouch for it, now that level of trust is way more efficient efficient and cheaper than you, you paying for commercials.
1: Absolutely. Because here's the thing, right? As a recording artist. I was always supportive of independent artists. I have known for doing features all over the country. And it was a very easy thing to understand. One, it's money, right? It's, I'm getting paid to do a lot of these. Some of them are not necessarily, but most of the songs you hear me on, I'm probably getting paid to record on that song. But I felt like it was so much easier for me to just work with artists around the country and get popping in their area than to try to make one record and try to force that record on people everywhere. So if I know I don't make the kind of music that California music fans may not normally re- you know, respond to or resonate with, then I'll work with California artists and I'll meet them where they are. And I'll work with Atlanta artists and Florida artists. So now I got a buzz everywhere, right? And I'm also part of helping build somebody. So out of maybe 10 features, one of these dudes may get a record deal. You know what I'm saying? Uh, eventually they'll get a hit record and pop and they'll blow up and they become the Lil Wayne's or they become the Jeezy's or the Drake's in the world. And if I pick the right people, not just based off talent, but also character, those people will reciprocate. You know what I'm saying? And that's just basically what's happening. All this love that I'm getting from these people who are now hugely influential and hugely powerful and have millions of people that follow their lead, they're just bringing that energy to me in the same way that when they were up and coming in their respective trade, I brought my energy to them. And that's just about making sure you pick the right friend. And it happens
2: vice versa when Jay-Z wanted to come into the South.
1: Absolutely. Called you guys and the rest of history. Yeah, and then now I call Jay-Z and like, hey, man, we, I know y'all want this burger. <laughs> I need that and, feature. You know, the and, and, not and, to and so I get, to, I get to feed them and host it. And I'm a natural host, right? So that's the, the one benefit that I love about this is that I just get to present this to my friends. But I also know my friends actually really want this burger because they've seen it too much and they've heard about it. And at some point when you hit... There's a lot of people like, oh, yeah, he said that because it's his friend whatever. But at some point, somebody, you know, that like a big, a big factor for us was getting Tyler, the creator to eat the burger. Tyler, the creator is a very unconventional individual. (laughs) Right. But he's also it's also very, very genuine. Right. Like Tyler creator is not trying to be anybody except Tyler, the creator. He never does testimonials. He never does anything on camera for anybody. He's an extremely savvy businessman. If he's gonna market any product, it's his. And he's done very well with Golf Wang over there, Mm -hmm. right? And building that brand, creating a festival, all of those different things. So to get Tyler, the creator, to even say something on camera, much less even be remotely positive about a product that he doesn't have any financial stake in, was a huge deal. And the Tyler, Tyler, the creator fan base is, somewhat far removed from my typical family. I wouldn't necessarily have an entry point to those people and even more so an entry point that they already know and trust. Again, I keep going back to this word trust because people see the burger before they can touch the burger. So there's this level of anticipation that builds up inside of people to try the product because somebody they know, somebody they trust had it and told them it's the truth. Mm. So that becomes the best feature, right? When
0: I needed the song, I reach out. Somebody gives me a verse. When I needed somebody to just try the burger, that almost feels like the feature. You said something to us when we walked in that you haven't felt as passionate about anything outside of music that like you feel like this. Talk about that. Did, did you grow up in culinary?
1: Were you cooking? Like How did, how did you find a passion for, for this? I've always wanted something that was solely mine, right? UGK was, was Chad's baby. I was supportive of his vision. I knew that he was going to get where he was going. So I rode shotgun with him and I supported him all the way. We actually built the brand together, but it was always his baby. He woke up with it and slept with UGK. That's how I am with this burger. Mm -hmm. It makes me want to get up earlier in the morning than I normally would. I'm getting older. (laughs) But it makes me want to get up. It makes makes me want to go online, read articles, find out different books. I'm taking suggestions from people all the time. I start sending emails, start sending texts, start making phone calls. I'm trying to inform myself as much as possible about this because I want to give it as much as I can. This company only grows if I'm willing to grow for it and with it. I have to constantly educate myself about this industry, one, because I'm so many years behind, and two, it's constantly evolving. So I have to stay in a a state of constant education, constant immersion, right? And also, I know a lot of people are watching my lead right people are watching this to see how far i can take it people that eat the burger know it's a solid product now let's see on the business side can he handle it that's another thing that wasn't always something i gravitated to we typically made enough money and i'm not a very you know i wasn't right built around buying a bunch of jewelry and all of that type of stuff so once i knew myself and my family were sound I was good i'd go home and relax there's no relaxing now there's no relaxing for me when it comes to this company people are really Bugging out on how at this age and this time in my career, I'm almost busier than I ever been. I travel more than I ever been. I sleep less than I ever been. But I'm more engaged in this than I've ever been in anything in my life, I'll probably say, because this one's all mine. My family and my bloodline get to reap the benefits of this. No one in my family and no one I ever really knew has been given an opportunity like this. And I want to do right by it. You know what I'm saying? Because when the next person gets an opportunity like this, and it probably won't be food, right? But it'll be something that they can be passionate about. I want to show them that everything you know can transfer into this. Everything translates. You know what I'm saying? You just got to know the bits and pieces of your life that are going to make sense on this side. And then, you know, cut off all the rest that doesn't.
2: So let's talk about the business aspect of it. We learned about food costs early when we started interviewing entrepreneurs that were in the, the restaurant space. And... You guys, you were telling us off camera how much beef you're actually buying per week. and That's something that people don't really think about, right? Like the margins, and if you're paying too much for it, then that can actually you know, compromise the growth of the business. So how did you start to learn about food costs and how important is food costs to running a restaurant?
1: When this burger was first introduced to me, right, the idea of this burger was built to be easily scalable and, and easily refined. So the burger has minimal ingredients and the ingredients that we do choose to use in the burger have long shelf lives. That's why there's no lettuce on a Trill Burger because mm. lettuce typically has a short shelf life. That's why there's no tomatoes on a trail Burger because tomatoes typically have a short shelf life but onions have a long shelf life. And you look at pickles, pickles come in a jar, right? They're pickled, you know? <laughs> so there's a long shelf life for that. Everything about this was designed to make this burger as easily assembled as possible. Right, and to make sure that these ingredients that we have that come in don't sit on the shelf long. And that's kind of what we've been able to accomplish. And now you add that with the idea of there constantly being a flow of traffic coming through the door, now no food sits either. So we don't end up having to throw any burgers away because they sat too long under a lamp and the top bun got high, and the bottom bun got soggy from the sauce. We don't have those kind of problems. That was built into the burger from, from its initial design. All of these things were put into it. The flavor combination was designed a certain way so that when you bit into a burger, it's a flavor sensation that most people typically don't get from most meals, much less a hamburger. My burger is competitive not with other burgers. My burger is competitive with sushi or steak because of the level of preparation and the way that the ingredients are designed to combine when you bite into it. That's why when people eat a Trill Burger, their minds are blown. Not just because it's a good burger. It's beyond a good burger. There are no burgers that are relatively close to Trill Burgers. You know what I'm saying? But it's the fact that on any given day, a Trill Burger could possibly be the best meal you could get at that time of day. In order to get a better meal, better meal consistently in Houston, you probably gotta make a reservation somewhere.
2: Now the guys confirmed we I said we was with Slim Thug and, and Toby yesterday, and they heavily vouched. <laughs> they've <laughs> heavily had you vouched. know why? Because
1: they've had it several times in several places. Kobe's had Toby's had it in several states, and it's never disappointed. That's the thing. When Hove wanted to break it, Hove was like, Do I need to go to the brick and mortar? Are they gonna bring it here? I said, No, we're gonna cook it here in the stadium. We have stations here we're gonna cook it fresh for you in the stadium is it gonna be the same as the brick and mortar like to get the burger the way i need to taste it <laughs> do i need to go somewhere that's a terrible business model hope that'd be horrible if only one place had the best trail burger and the rest were just making burgers i don't want this to be as a saying in black people make sure you go to the good one <laughs> right go to the good walmart go to the good popeyes there's no such thing as a good trail burger. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or
0: drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At Participating McDonald's.
1: Wherever you have this burger, wherever we present this burger, it's consistent. The burger is the burger. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's a luxury experience. Right. Oh, without, that's, that's, without. That's it it's, like. it's elevated fast food for sure.
0: Elevated fast food. I like that. So talk about that, how, how you scale from two years ago, we were talking about the burger and you doing festivals to now having a brick and mortar, but being in NRG Stadium, having four locations.
1: How did we grow to that? What was the conversations like with, with the Texans and, and with NRG? Well, we presented a burger that everybody in, in the city of Houston wanted. There was a high level of demand for this burger. And everybody could see that. So every sports organization was trying to figure out: Is this burger something that we could use as drawing power in our stadium, and as a great complement to the activities that we present to people? And people realized very quickly that absolutely, this burger can be a great complement and a great source of drawing power for us. So we initially started with the Dynamo. Houston Dynamo had a new plan to make um, to make their food vendors a lot more localized. We were a part of that plan, and that set the standard. Once we opened in the Dynamo Stadium and people saw it was success, then everybody else wanted to incorporate it as soon as possible. Unfortunately, other places have vendors that have burgers already. So the Astros are very interested in having us at Minute and May Park, but there's a pre-existing relationship with Shake Shack. So when the season is over, they're going to have to revisit that relationship and try to decide which burger they really want in their stadium. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. In the meantime, we are still supportive of the Astros. We go to every fan fest that they have so that fans can still have a Trill Burger Mm -hmm. and support the Astros. You know what I'm saying? Because we want the Astros fans to try the burger and fall in love with it like everybody else. So then the fans start asking the venue, why don't we have Trill Burgers here? Why can't we have it? And football, which is far and away easily the biggest sport in Texas, is in in session. Mm -hmm. And when they go to football games, they're getting Trill Burgers. Those same people go to basketball games. They go to baseball games. And they're going to want to know why I can't get it here, and I can't get it here and here. Initially, we we hadn't even thought that far as far as getting into the stadium. Now we want to be in all of them, and the airports as well. You know what I'm saying? We want this burger to, to be available to as many Houstonians as possible right now. Our goal, long term, is to make this burger available to anyone on the planet that would want to have one. So, is the goal to just
2: really conquer Houston and then expand, or are you looking at other brick and mortar locations in Atlanta or in New York or whatever?
1: Like, how what's the expansion model? I'll be honest, Houston's already conquered. Well, when <laughs> right? I say conquered, I mean <laughs> no, 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 I'm, like just, I'm just kidding. Houston's already, but Houston's already conquered, so no, we're going to open more locations in Houston. I have a trip up to Dallas and listening. Austin in the next <laughs> couple of days. Proximity is key for us. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'd love to open in Atlanta and Los Angeles and New York, but I've got to build a model that's sustainable the further away the brand gets from me. Right now, it's going to be a lot easier for us to maintain the integrity of the product and keep the supply chain consistent if we keep it close to here, Mm -hmm. right? Now, while we're expanding, you know, um, concasively, right, in the area... We'll go to Austin, we'll go to Dallas. This will also help us perpetuate the brand being seen in the way that we want to get it to a high level of valuation. Because it doesn't make sense for me to bring it to a market where I'm not sure if it's going to do numbers like it does here. You can't just have one store doing numbers and the rest being there. okay. That doesn't equal high valuation for the brand. So I got to open these doors where I know there's a high demand for it. There's really no places that want it more than Dallas and Austin right now. Louisiana is very close, though. Louisiana is very close. close. Yeah. Louisiana is close enough for me to actually get that supply chain consistent, but we're also like, we're doing a lot of burgers, which means a lot of meat, right? And so, when we open up more doors, we're gonna need almost the same amount of meat, if not more than we're already buying. And we're buying thousands of pounds. A me,
2: week. How many pounds do you think you buy a week meat?
1: A week? Damn, I wish Mike was here. Mike, Mike would actually right. know the, the actual number. I'd have to say, I'd have to say anywhere from 2,500, 3,500 pounds of meat a week. A week. Easily.
2: And that's all from Texas farmers? Yeah, yes,
1: yes. Right from now. one farmer or
2: multiple different
1: farmers? We initially started with one farmer, um, but we're not their only account. Okay. And so as far as ground beef is concerned, I think we're maxed out. Okay. Um, we would need, we would like to have a deeper commitment from one place. But quite frankly, with the numbers that we're doing, I don't, it's, it's very hard for one person to fully stock us. Mm -hmm. it just really is is
2: it important to know the farmers like where you're getting all beef
1: i guess is not equal i don't i I can pick the cow you can that's how highly prioritized i am in this company i can go in i get i can pick the cows that i want my beef to come from you're involved in that process who me no 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 because i don't i don't control the kitchen and i don't profess to know the best quality of beef that's why i can fully just defer to my staff kitchen staff and ownership for that that's where they come from and they defer to me it comes to making sure that we prioritize who needs to see this burger, where it needs to be seen.
0: So you talked about valuation just now. Yes. So I'm thinking, obviously, creating brick and mortars also creates overhead. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that we see with successful restaurants is licensing. And so if I'm in New York, yes, we we conquer Texas, right? Mm -hmm. But how do we, how do we, or are we thinking, how do we get this into the local Supermarket chains, where now this has become something that I can get in the frozen section, and Trill Burger
1: expands in that way. Is that a thought process, or is this so unique that it has to be experienced? Not at all. Every every way that you think this burger could be presented and sold, people have come to us. Things that we weren't even considering or really know we're not ready for, we still get <laughs> we still get offered all the time. Your frozen option for this burger. Was sent to us immediately, like we would love to package that. But we don't believe that that's the best way that a Trill burger can be presented to people. Now, could we build a burger that can fit that model? Yeah, absolutely. But that's not what we're trying to do. You know what I'm saying? You didn't start seeing White Castles and and stores until White Castles had conquered brick and mortars. And that's the reality, right? Well, we're still building this company. We're still building the model of this company. But we do know that there are parts of this company that can very easily go to a shelf, like the Trill sauce. Mm-hmm. very easily be bottled, packaged, and presented to people, right? Go into a store, do a live demo. People get pieces of burgers in a minute, and then they'll be like, well, maybe my burger can taste more like a Trill Burger if I get the sauce. All of that's very easy to accomplish, but our main goal is to build up a chain of brick and mortar establishments for Trill Burger. Once we get that done and that's running on autopilot, we can look at other ways to present the burger. But right now, the best way for this burger to be seen is in your hands in a restaurant.
2: So hip-hop 50 this year, and one of the dope things about hip-hop is that we get to see the growth of yes. hip-hop stars, right? And I think you're a perfect example of that. And the name, Trill Burger. So you guys started in Port Arthur, Texas, and you created Trill, right? That's your word?
1: No, it's not my word. That word okay. create, That word was started in the Texas prison system. Okay. And uh, a couple guys spoon a block from Port Arthur came home. I started utilizing the word in the streets of Port Arthur. Okay. That's how it became a prominent term where we're from. And it was just something that we normally refer to, period, being where we're from. It became incorporated into music. And it became a way for us to separate ourselves from everyone in the same way that the term was used to separate people from the town of Port Arthur from people everywhere else. People started to identify with the ideology of UGK, how we moved, how we presented ourselves. And they started to emulate that by calling themselves Trill. That became a term that not only was a a southwestern Texas, southeastern Texan term, became a Texas term, a southern term. Now it's just basic hip-hop and cultural colloquialism.
2: Yeah, so, but, good education, I didn't know that. But you guys start with Trill. Yes. But that was started, you're saying it on a street level, and it goes to hip-hop music, but now it's Trill Burgers, right? And you see, like, all right, from a rap star to now an entrepreneur to a restaurateur, and now Trill has a whole different meaning, I'm yes. assuming, than what it originally was back well, then. Well, no, it still
1: means that, right? It still means about going above and beyond, and this burger does represent that. Like, keeping it real is like, you know, you hold your people down, and, you know, you know that's your man, something's wrong, you hold them down. Keeping the it real means when you're doing right by your people and nobody's watching, when there's no residual benefit for you to keep it solid, where it can actually possibly work against you, but that's just how you're built. That's what this burger is. This burger goes above and beyond any other burger. That's why I know I can call it Trill. So
2: Trill is super solid. That's like super, Absolutely.
1: super solid. Absolutely, Like you don't even have to question it. But then also the actual brand of Trill is imbued at this point with 30 years of cultural blood, sweat, and tear equity that we've put into it by the way we've moved and carried this term on our shoulders. And so that's what I bring to the table with this burger. That's that trust factor that was built up by building this Trill brand through the UGK's music and movement and represent in our hometown. And so now when I say, and because I've never branded anything with this like this, I've never really sold a lot of merchandise with this or anything because I wanted to maintain the integrity of the term, right? And so now when we say, okay, this is a Trill burger, people like, okay, well, well I know what a burger is, but if it's Trill, then that means it's gotta be different. <laughs> right? Like this burger got to be, like, this better be a badass burger, like period. And it is, I would not have, sacrifice all of work that pimp and i put in to build this company and build this brand to to put it on a burger just a burger like not that it's not that serious i'll find something else to do to make money hey there ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster oh you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you yeah or
2: finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer.
1: It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips.
2: So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before.
1: But this was very real and I knew this burger could handle the responsibility of that term. That's why working with Trill Burgers is different because they know they don't just work here and sell burgers. They're actually maintaining the cultural integrity of my brand. It's deeper than food. It's always been deeper with food with Trill Burgers. This is a Fast Financial Fact sponsored by Xfinity. This week's fact.
0: Taxes are a significant financial obligation. Understanding your tax liabilities and exploring legal tax deductions can help reduce your tax burden.
1: Assets over liabilities is presented by Xfinity.
0: Yeah, you said find your burger. So it's, it's, it obviously it's bigger than this, just the food. It's what it represents. It's, what, it it's
1: rep- what Trill Burgers as a brand represents. But it
0: also provides opportunity. Absolutely. And so a lot of people forget that part of it, right? Because there are people that have to work here, there are people that have to manage the, the money. So talk about the opportunities that this establishment, this brand, this business is creating
1: for the people here in Houston, but also for your family. Well, I mean, look, this is this is not easy work. We make smash burgers here. So it's not like anywhere else where if you're working with, and I don't wanna, I'm not gonna put anybody on blast, but if you work at other fast food <laughs> restaurants, you might right? You're not actually cooking burgers on a grill. You're, you're, you're warming patties. Right. These burgers have to be cooked. Every single patty has to be cooked. And it's a smash burger. So each patty has to be physically pushed into the grill over and over again, all day long, 10 hours a day. This is very hard work. Now, you could do hard work anywhere in Houston, right? You could cook burgers anywhere in Houston. I argue that this is a better environment to cook burgers in. I also would say that you could work at Whataburger or McDonald's or Burger King or any of these other places, right, and have a great day at work and meet some nice people. You work at True Burger, you might see your favorite person in the world Nobody is happy to get up and go to work in the morning. I believe Trill Burger employees are because they have no idea who's going to walk through that door. They have no idea what they may see. Even beyond that, we, the way people get tipped at Trill Burger is different from anywhere else. You cannot get tipped at Whataburger. You cannot get tipped at McDonald's and Burger King because those companies don't believe those people believe they need that support. Right. But we tip everywhere else, but we don't tip there. No, we tip. We make sure our fans, people get tipped here because we pride ourselves on our service. I'm a very kind, respectable, mannerable person. You cannot be a representative of this country if you don't embody those character traits. Right. And when people get treated a certain way, they want to reward that treatment. People get offended sometimes if they go somewhere and they can't tip the people that made their experience good. Why don't they let me tip you? That's sad. Our only reason I come is because you're so kind and so warm and all of that type of stuff. No, we, aff- we afford the opportunity for our companies to be rewarded for their service. We reward them, but then the, the p- people feel like they want to reward them. But here's the other thing. People feel like when they tip them, they tipping me. People overtip. here. We've had employees when we worked in certain scenarios where they made more money off of being tipped than they did from the pay. Now, that doesn't mean we're underpaid we have a, a, a sustainable model people make very good money here at trillburger for the work that they do but there's also residual benefits that come with this company that alone gives people more incentive they want to get up and come to work here they want to get up and smile and be on the good side of this company and make sure they're here when this company grows because there's no telling where they may end up where they may what they may see and who they may become our model is designed to promote internally we don't want to keep bringing people. From outside of this, unless they have a level of expertise that we just can't have, that we don't have available to our present staff. But make no mistake about it. This company goes where our staff goes.
2: I heard you talking to somebody um, about the culture that you were trying to build here. Um, how important is establishing that culture amongst employees? Because, you a service-based business, so employees are the most important aspect of it. Absolutely. It be amazing, but if you got a bad employee with a bad attitude, the customer is not coming back. Um, so how important is that to encourage the employees, to build that culture, to make sure that, you know, it's not easy to have hundreds of employees from different locations all on the same court?
1: Well, I think for us, the primary concern was making, making sure that people feel seen and heard. It takes a lot of people to run Trill Burgers. And there's a lot of responsibility that gets spread across the board. And there are some people that are very fine with where they are in their position, but there are other people that are hungry and want to climb with this company. They want more responsibility to be given to them. And that's what we're trying to figure out. Who really wants the responsibility? I could put people in position all day, but I need people to want to to work. I want people to want to see this company grow. There are people that work at this company that feel like they are invested, maybe not financially, but they're emotionally invested in this company right now we want to make sure that we recognize those people and honor those people and give them the kind of authority that they deserve to have because power corrupts power corrupts and you'd be very surprised about how small an amount of power it would take to corrupt (laughs) someone you know what i'm saying pride you know i want people to be proud to work at trail burger and we also hire people that most people would not hire You know what I'm saying? What what kind of people is that? Well, we have felons, you know, prior felons in here who want to change their life and turn it around.
2: You're intentional about that?
1: Yes, definitely. Why is
2: that? Why is that important for you?
1: Because I saw it happen with Rap-A-Lot. I saw Jay Prince empower a lot of prior felons and put them in positions where not just service positions, management positions, Mm -hmm. power positions in the company. And they held it down and they helped build that company. I watched those people do that. I know the background those people came from and I watched them become other professionals in their craft, in their trade. I believe we can do that here at Trillberger. I believe I can take people that are registers and grills now, and those people will wear suits and ties and represent this company at conferences and sit on panels. That's what I want for this brand. And I want people to know that there's a path to that in this company. And that's by making sure that when people do good things, that they're acknowledged and they're complimented for that stuff. That's what I mean when I say culture. I want people that are doing hard work to know that it's being seen and it's being appreciated because a lot of this can go unseen and unnoticed but there's a lot of hard work that it takes to, for this company to operate there's a lot of employees there's a lot of egos and personalities that have to be managed and, and there's a lot of nuances to making this thing work every day and i understand that because i have to turn this company over to them every single day and so we make sure we hire with a certain level of priority on mannerism communication skills integrity and if we can do that consistently with this brand we should be fine. I'm watching Chick fil A, baby. <laughs> Shout out to them. So, uh, one of the reasons that people
0: fail in this business of restaurateurs or being restaurateurs is the profit margins. Yes. Yeah. So, when I hear you talk about the no lettuce and I hear you, you talk about no tomatoes, I'm starting to think, oh, the profit margin, profit margin. So, how do you manage that with pricing, right? Because you have a product, how do you make sure that it's the right price so that those profit margins? aren't as thin as a a typical uh, restaurant or franchise.
1: Chef Mike Pham, one one of the owners, the creator of the Trill Burger, is literally a beautiful mind. He is a savant when it comes to those things. He can make these adjustments in real time in a working kitchen. As we need to get more of this, we need less of this, we need to push this up, we need to slow this down, to keep the flow going, the burger consistent. That's why I can go and go to Khaled's house and go to Coachella and, and, and go to all these places because I never have to worry about the kitchen. When things go slow, he knows how to slow things down. When things speed up, he knows how to speed things down. The whole pricing of this burger was built on the model of profit. How much? How cheap can we get the cost of this burger down? How much can we charge for it without compromising the customer? How, you know, We know that this burger is better than any burger, mm-hmm. right? So it should cost more because it costs us more to do it. Right? We pay more, or we pay our employees more than the average brick and mortar burger place does to, to cook burgers. There's a lot more at stake in this brand, you know? Um, but it's worth it. No one's complaining about these things, right? People come in, they see the price. You either want to eat it or you don't. And that's fine. We apologize if it's because here's the reality you could drive past 20 burger places to get a Drill Burger, you know, respectively, wherever you live. And you live 15 minutes away from here, there's probably a burger spot every single minute of travel between there and here. So if you don't wanna pay this for this burger, that's fine. But you know what you're gonna get if you pay that for that burger. So you gotta determine what kind of meal you really wanna have today. And the people that come to Trill Burgers have determined that there is no better burger than this burger. There's very few meals that can keep up with this burger. And it's actually worth the price for the burger and the experience.
2: So I'm looking at the menu. Um, Another thing that we learned early on is it's better to have a limited menu as opposed to just having a hundred different options. So it looks like, correct me if I'm wrong, you have like three burgers.
1: Nope. I have one burger. burger. I have one burger. It's the the OG burger. You can get it with one patty, two patties, and three patties. (laughs) You can get it in beef or vegan. But There's only one burger on this menu. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese
0: McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
2: What, all right. So what does that consist of? Is this just a patty?
1: The Trill OG sauce. burger, the, the standard burger is a double patty. It's two, slices, it's two slices of American cheese, two all beef patties, caramelized onions, pickles, and our patented Trill sauce on a Martin's potato roll.
2: Okay. And then there's a vegan option for that. Absolutely. So why? Okay. So why talk about the importance of having that limited option as opposed to doing everything turkey it's, burger it's, and it's,
1: it's designed for us to push out as many burgers as possible streamlined yes without compromising the taste of flavor mm. for people and the experience so all of this was this was all calculated this burger was designed right not just for flavor but for implementation as an actual product and delivery this was all designed for it to make it as easily assemble as possible without having to compromise anything from a flavor aspect. Well, that's
2: good, because like I said, when we spoke to the entrepreneur, he told us that I never looked at it like that, where he was like, it's just better to have a limited... Because most people, when you think about... Most people that are uneducated about restaurants, they want to have as many options as possible, because the thought process is that I want to cater to a variety... Whoever of comes in the people. door. Yeah,
1: exactly. We don't have to worry about that, because people are coming... It's true Burgers. That's all we do is burgers, right? So when people come here, they know... There's, all you can order is a burger. You're coming here specifically for a burger. It's not like that if you go to Papado's. It's not like that if you go to Denny's or IHOP. There can be a multitude of things on that menu that you might want to eat at 3 in the afternoon or 2 in the morning. You know what I'm saying? We keep it very simple for people. We sell burgers.
2: And it makes it easy to master that one thing.
1: Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And, and easy to replicate. Our, our, our priority here is replication. Mm. We have a product that is in high demand. We need to be able to make sure that every burger we produce is like the burger before it. It has to be consistent. The more things that get in the way of us making that singular product complicates the consistency. So for us, one burger, one model, one set of ingredients, no diversion, easily assembled, perfect flavor combination, gets them in and out the door.
0: Mm. So one of the things we've seen with some of these other burger establishments is that not only do they have the brick and mortar but they own the real estate. So it becomes more than just a food play. It becomes a business play in terms of owning the land. Is that something, when you're talking about scalability, is that something that's in the
1: business model? It has to be. It has to be. Because if you look at any brand that's expanded over 15, 20 doors, right? This is no longer about the food itself initially. It's about the real estate. You know what I'm saying? A good friend of mine is one of the owners of Walgreens. Right. But he he doesn't run Walgreens. He owns the parent company, which is a real estate company, because Walgreens owns every piece of real estate it sits on. The reality about it is all about the equity that you bring into this. Right. We bring a lot of equity, not just to this particular um, land that we sit on, but to all the land around here. We brought foot traffic here that would never have been here. Don't get me wrong. This is a very popular intersection. And there are thousands of people that drive here every single day. Right, But there are people now that drive here who have no business in this area, except to come to Trillburgers. But now they see there's an oil change place. There's a, an automotive service place here. There's the hot chicken place across the street. There's the gas station, the, the rental place across the street. So there's a lot of other businesses that will benefit off of us being here. But quite frankly, the person that benefits the most is the person that owns the real estate. Because now this is a prime location where people will drive by and look for something to go to. We could consistently do that and make good money off the burger, but we're leaving a lot of money on the table by not owning the real estate and not having the equity transferred to us in some way. Now we can make leasing agreements where we could work on getting equity out of the deal, but it's always best to just start with owning it, right? Now to be quite frank, the real estate that we want, they won't sell, right? And if they did, they probably want more than we're liquid enough to purchase. So what we have to do is constantly refine this model to make sure that without compromising the product, we can get as much profit as we want so we could turn the tables on that and actually have the liquidity needed to buy. And keep in mind, like we're not trying to just buy things outright. We're trying to make sure we do these things right. But there's a certain amount of capital that's necessary for operations for this company. So anytime we put that out somewhere, we, we have to be very careful where we put that money. But make no mistakes about it. The business model of Trill Burger, as expansion comes in, is to own the real estate that they sit on. That's gonna take us a while to get there, but we already know that it's absolutely necessary for us to completely capitalize off of this opportunity that we have.
2: So you're like a savant of sorts, renaissance man, do a variety of different things. College professor, entrepreneur.
1: Um, you said it, not me. <laughs> oh, true, true But um, G.
2: <laughs> but I'm wondering, hip hop is at your core, did you ever feel at a point where you aged out of being a rapper? Like it was like do you ever think did you ever think like okay like I'm too intelligent to just rap. I don't want to say it like that cuz I don't want to say like rappers are dumb. But do you did, ever do I ever feel like hip hop limited
1: me? Yeah. No. Not at all. I limited me. I didn't feel like I could do two things at one time. I woke up one day and realized, yes, you can't walk and chew bubble gum, my guy. You're very, you're very good at what you do with rap. You really don't need any more work at that. You've built up the brand. You've built up the relationship with the people. And so if there's, it was Baby that told me that a long time. Probably Cash about, Money Baby? Cash Money Baby, about 15 years ago. Was literally like, you know you ain't got nothing left to prove with this rap, right? Like, you could go and do funny like Snoop or go do movies like Q but you ain't got nothing else to prove with this rap bro. you done out rapped them all you done done it so if there's anything else you want to do bro go do that mm-hmm. The rap is always going to be here for you but there's probably some other calling you bro go get that and he was right it took me a while to find it though that was the thing I had to really find the right thing I was pushing a lot of different ways and presented with a lot of different opportunities but they didn't seem genuine and it didn't seem like something that I really wanted to do it was something that I could do there was money available, but I see a lot more than just money when it comes to Trail Burgers. I have family that works here. My manager's daughters works here. My granddaughter works here. My niece works here. This is somewhere where I would love for everybody that owns Trail Burgers for our kids to get their first jobs at Trail Burgers to learn different skills. For us to be able to send our kids to college specifically for a skill set that will come back and benefit this brand: mm-hmm. finance, management, real estate, whatever. Right. That's, that's the way I look at life now. I never looked at my rap career as something I wanted my kids to do. That's not the world I wanted my kids to grow up in and conquer. You know what I'm saying? This is something tangible that I could leave to the next generation of me that they can actually sew into. They just have to want to. Yeah. Now, if they don't want to be a part of this company, that's fine. But if you do, it's here for you. I would love nothing more than 30 years from now for my granddaughter to be sitting at, as the keynote speaker at some finance convention about what her grandfather's plans were for this company and what it's evolved into, this multinational corporation. I would love more than nothing more than that, or their kids, somebody's kids, right? That know what the intentions of this company was to run this company. Yeah, I, I wonder what, speaking of hip hop, right? Because I'm
0: watching you, we watch this evolution, right? We're, we born in the 80s, listened to the music in the 90s. So we've seen this, this evolution. I see you on Good Morning America, I'm looking like, damn, you never thought hip hop would take it this far. Right. And so I wonder how you view this from a standpoint of the evolution, right? We started out as MCs, but now we're seeing a lot of us go into business at the later stages, and some are, even at the early stages of their career. How do you see the landscape of hip-hop as a culture when it comes to entrepreneurism outside of their particular art?
1: I tell people that, th- that we all need to start living in a roofless house because we are consistently putting ceilings on what we can achieve. Most artists, when they sign a record deal, feel that they've made the biggest achievement of their life. And that's cool because you can become rich in hip-hop, but you do not get wealthy by music alone. You have to learn Business, You have to recognize certain factors. Right. That help people transition from one status to another. Right. So Hove is wealthy. Hove is not wealthy because he sold a lot of records. Hove right. is wealthy because he took the business acumen that he brought to the table along with what he acquired to realize that that could translate into other spaces and transfer into other revenue streams. You know what I'm saying? Same thing with, yay, same thing with Rick Ross now, right? There are people who realize that their skill set works for them in other ways, and that they could sell this product efficiently and easily, that they could probably sell damn near any product. They just gotta want that to be who they are. You know what I'm saying? I, I made a statement recently that there are people who sell more records than Rick Ross Two or more than Rick Ross, but they are nowhere as rich as Rick Ross.
2: Even Rihanna, she became a billionaire off of Fenty,
1: not Absolutely. off of music. And that's because they were open to opportunity. Mm-hmm. You have to be open to those type of things. But it's very easy to become very comfortable being a successful musician, right? There's a, a standard of life that's afforded to you that is very comfortable, right? Consistent forms of income. You don't have to do more than that if you don't want to. But if you want to do more than that, then this is the perfect entry point for that. Hip hop culture sells, I would imagine, 95 to 97% of every product on the planet. There is somebody breakdancing, some kind of up tempo beat, a bumblebee rapping and shit. I don't know, right? Hamsters in IKEA, whatever it is, hip-hop sells everything.
0: Must it is die. the
1: preeminent and dominant culture on this planet. And we are the exporters of it. We are the actual creators yep. of this. It's time for us. To profit off of all of this cultural equity that we leave these entertainment conglomerates with. Take that monetize it yourself. We spend a lot of time monetizing our art form for them. But but this is culture.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: Culture doesn't just exist in music. Culture resonates everywhere. Take that cultural equity out of the music and put it into something that benefits you. Find your burger.
2: So pretty yeah, that's what yeah.
1: Find <laughs> it, your burger. And yeah. And
2: everybody has done that that has, like you said, reached that level of success. They used their influence as a musician to really transition into business. Whether it was Ye with the sneakers, whether it was Diddy with the liquor brands, Jay with the liquor brands, Rihanna with Fenty. But I wanna actually staying in the music vein, Juicy J, I don't know if you saw it yesterday, and he was talking about music's rap music sales are down forty percent this year. He was very concerned. He said that they, we need to have a meeting amongst artists and people in, the, in it, because he was like, you know, this is affecting us. Like, this is how we make money off of music. And if this continues, like, we're all gonna be screwed.
1: I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. Isaac Hayes made a, a great statement. It's just sales. That doesn't mean influence. That doesn't mean that we don't resonate any less. We actually resonate more. But the, the prior profits stream, the, the, the way that we look to monetize that doesn't, it doesn't work anymore. You have to take it upon yourself, one, to not sign these 360 deals that limit your monetization, right? Merch is there for you. Um, All these different sponsorships, all this stuff is there for you. You got to believe in yourself. Yes, sales are down. Of course, sales are down because nobody goes in anywhere and buys any music anymore. You can stream it. That's a different business and profit model. So you're not going to make the same amount of money that we made. And Juicy J has been around long enough to have benefited from the old model. Right. So the music, the quality of music is not lessening. Right. The level of influence with the music is not lessening. The profit margins are lessening.
0: You don't think the quality of the music is lessening?
1: No, not at all. Because the reason I say that is because the people that are buying the music are happy. You're not because the quality of music that you want to hear is no longer popular. That's why you're not happy with. But I don't see anybody that's mad at any music being made right now. And they're not supposed to be because it speaks to them. That shit ain't for you. It's not for you. It's not for me. We're not 18, (laughs) that shit's not supposed to speak to us. This is reckless abandon. These are childless people. These are people with no no responsibility have the room to be irresponsible because it only hurts them. We no longer have that right because our irresponsibility hurts other people. So the reality is is that the music isn't impacting less, it's just the way that we profit off of music it's never been in our favor and it's even less in our favor now. So now you just gotta figure out how to monetize and capitalize off of this cultural equity and influence that you have. And it may not be just in music.
2: So you're not, you're not concerned with record sales or you're not concerned with rap having a negative
1: decline. I think that statement's made with, with no understanding of that music profit is down. It's not just hip hop, music sales are down because everyone's going to streaming. No one's buying albums anymore. There are too many options to hear the music without having to fully commit to the price of an album in their mind. Now, they compartmentalize that by thinking that the membership offsets, allows them to buy a, listen to a bunch of music that would have cost them if they had to buy it a lot more. I get it, but that doesn't and that works for the listener. It doesn't work for the artist. You know what I'm saying? So sales are down, which means that producers of hip hop music should be sampling less. Right. Artists should probably be having less features on the album so that the majority of the money that's made comes to you. But you don't want to do that because collaboration, uh, lack of collaboration, stunts growth. So what artists have to do is find other ways to connect with their audience and build revenue. Maybe you need a Patreon. Maybe you need to concentrate more on merch. Right. And you don't need a million people to make a million dollars. You don't need to, you know what I'm saying? You can sell a million records and not make a million dollars, but you can build a relationship with 5,000 people. You can convince 5,000 people to spend $20,000 with you a month. That's 100 racks. That's 1. 1.2 million a year. You can get that with T-shirts, baseball caps, and cigarette lighters. They <laughs> ain't thinking like that. They're thinking big. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to sell a million things for a dollar than a one, one thing for a million dollars.
0: So do you think, based on that, this new strategy of how they're making music, making money off the music, is that why you see the increase of people selling their catalogs? And if if so, have you been approached in that manner where you have a catalog of music for over 25, 30 years? Is that something that you would be even interested in, these liquidation events because of the way that the business structure of music and making money off the music has changed?
1: So I'm not opposed to the conversation of catalog sale and whatnot, but it's not something that I'm concentrating on we've had a very, very successful licensing agreement with the music. And over the last, I would say five to seven years, the type of music that we've made from the era that we represented has become more and more popular. So we're getting a lot of artists that want to reappropriate either the music or the hook or the terminology. And so that's been a reasonable profit margin for us, right? We've been able to to make decent money off of that relationship for a while now. And as that, that era becomes more popular, people, more and more people want to sample UGK music or sample something Pimp C said or I said. So that's that's a revenue stream that exists for us. And it, it does pretty well. Um, but my thing is, I would imagine that the majority of people who are making these type of decisions probably feel that maybe the best and most profitable versions of themselves musically has already been reached. I don't see Justin Bieber looking at this in a way that He's going to replicate the success of his earlier years, right? They've, they've peaked. Now, Justin Bieber's downward trajectory is still greater than some people will ever see in their life. But I also have to believe that a lot of these people are doing this are probably looking for other things to do with their life. You know what I'm saying? I don't know how much more successful Justin Bieber could be in music, Justin Timberlake could be in music i just don't really see and the system isn't designed for them Mm -hmm. anymore the system that they helped create is now benefiting the next generation as it should and as it evolves it doesn't evolve to include us it it evolves to include them and so at a certain point you got to realize you're not in popular flavor anymore right everybody gets to a point where if you're going to cash out it's now or never And I think a couple of artists have figured out, well, if I am gonna sell this catalog and the plan was at some point to sell this catalog, now is probably the time. You know what I'm saying? Now, it always looks as some type of cultural disservice when black artists quite frankly make these decisions, right? No one bats an eye, white America does not bat an eye when white artists make these decisions. It's actually looked at as good business. You know what I'm saying? But we do have to understand there's a lot more of a cultural implication when we do this thing. And we have to be careful about the message that it sends to people. So again, I've I've talked about on this this interview that my plan is to build this up to a high level of valuation. And when I get there, I'm gonna sell this company. Right? Not even,
2: yes. I'm gonna sell this company. <laughs> yes.
1: You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's it. My job is to provide a product. People buy that product. Well, let me, let, let's, let's talk about up.
2: this because this is something, you mentioned it on the music side, but we, we're a business platform. So we see it on the business side where anytime a black business sells their company is a tremendous backlash from the black community. That is usually a few things. They sold out. How can we ever build generational wealth? We always sell these things happen over and over again um, that we see from people that criticize business owners when they sell their companies. And like you said, Elon Musk sold PayPal. And I've never heard anybody criticize him for selling PayPal. He used that money to start SpaceX and Tesla and now he's one of the richest people in the world.
1: Mark Cuban, TV.com, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And now he was one of the most profitable basketball teams. So,
2: because I think it's important for people to be fully
1: educated. I think
2: black people have a lot of trauma when it, and it's rightfully so, right? And, they carry that over, and ownership is a big thing. And whenever, we, we always, we look at like selling out. What's your education to those type of people on business? Because you already are in that mindset, for them to understand that.
1: This has always been a multicultural brand. I'm the face of this brand, and I'm a black man. So the face of this company is a black face, but it's multicultural ownership. Well, we've never hit that. There's black ownership, there's black, uh, Mexican-American, I mean, sorry, Venezuelan ownership, there's Asian ownership and there's white ownership. So what we're promoting is not how far black man has gone in this company. What we're promoting is how far black men can go when black men and white men and Asian men and Latina men work together, how far we all can go. This has been an exercise in diversity and inclusion, right? I have not built this as black people come support me because I'm black. I don't do that because that's where the problem comes in when that company becomes sold, because we've had products that black people have sewn into because those products have has been presented as a representation of black entrepreneurship and black excellence. Hmm. Right. I'm just trying to show you how black work pays off. Hmm. That's what I want to do. You put you sew into a company and you do right by this company. Right? And carry yourself as a respectable black man, you can build a great company with black ownership in it. Right? But when a black owner sells his company, right, that is not directly built as a black brand, and it's very easy to tell the difference, right? Then there is no cultural compromise. You know what i'm saying it should only be an example in entrepreneurship
2: that's important and people have said that in the comments they're like well our, my problem is when it's built as a black
1: yes business support- i'm a I'm black supported- i'm a black man black people support my business and we can have it as an example a shining example of black entrepreneurship and excellence mm-hmm. right but you have to tell people we're going to build this just like everybody else built they shit though right and then and when you do that make sure that there's some type of cultural contribution Right. And when we sell this bitch, we sell it for a million dollars. We're going to take 50 million dollars and so here, here and here. Right. And give it back. Yeah. Talk about that. Because I feel like
0: we've been in Houston a bunch of times, whether it was Trey. We spoke to Slim yesterday, even told me that philanthropy. Yes. That's, that's entrenched. I feel like it's a Houston spirit. Talk about the importance of that and why it, I feel like almost all the artists here have that give back, especially to the hometown that they live in. But. The overall state of Texas in general.
1: Well, I think because many many of the brands that that are here are DIY, you know, even with the musicians. Like none of us built our career inside the major um, major yeah, sure. record, record label establishment, right? All of our success was built here. The only reason they got deals, we got deals in New York, was because we made ourselves worthwhile here, right? New York has not broken any Houston rapper's career, just for the record, right? We the only reason New York even called is because we were making so much noise down here and every rapper that signed to a major label eventually walked away because it wasn't beneficial right so we have to lead by the proper examples in in this city right we have to let people know off top you're probably not going to get help they're probably not going to understand you there's going to be a disconnect culturally between what you represent and what they're used to none of that matters if you get the music directly to the people and so all of our movements were word of mouth movements the grassroots movements you know what I'm saying we understand the value of hard work right we understand that if you're doing all the heavy lifting that you get the benefits of this the more you allow regular companies to do your marketing to do your branding to do your make sure that they're talking to the college radio stations and the DJs and all that the more they do for you the more they're you're required to pay them for those services the more you learn on your own the less you have to pay anybody to do anything So we became one-stop shops here. We would go to the mom and pop stores. We would go to the distributors. We would go to the one stops and build those relationships for ourselves. So when we got a call from New York, we weren't heads over heels here, you know, as independent artists. We were like, okay, cool. We'll see what they're talking about. But we understood money. We understood the system. The, the, The music industry has basically profited off the ignorance and adamance of young artists just wanting to be signed, just wanting to be seen. They'll sign anything. I signed a contract that I had no business in signing. It took me 17 years to correct the contract I signed in 92. You know what I'm saying? And so these guys know their value. They know their worth. And they know what happens when hard work pays off. And so that's something that they came into this music industry already understanding as opposed to people coming in really with a full level of ignorance, not just about the music industry, but about business in general. Because there wasn't really a need to. The record label would take care of everything you needed. We didn't have that luxury here. We wanted it, we had to work for it. We had to kind of figure that out on our own. That's what I'm doing here with Trillberg. There's a lot of I don't know I'm trying to figure out on my own because I know that the education benefits me. I could sit back and let my partners do most of the heavy lifting in, in this brand, but it would be missing something. This brand is working because I care so much about it that I want this brand to win. I, I don't get. I thought I had a crazy sleep schedule as an artist traveling, trying to balance family, and I still do shows. That's the other thing. I I still travel. I still tour constantly, um, and we try to incorporate the burgers as much as that makes sense. But it's not something they don't always work together. But I'm, I mean I. I get less sleep because I, I, I got to get back. Normally, I used to do a show. I come home on Sunday. I go home, fall asleep on my sofa, watch football. I come home this Sunday. I got to come straight here. You know what I'm saying? Get right back to it. I want to come back here. I want to see how it's doing. Is there anything we need to figure out? Any problems we need to solve? Is it business as usual? I just want to know. And, but I also understand that this is a culturally built brand. It's not just about the food. I know that in the back of most people's minds, they want. I wonder if he here. I wonder if he might. (laughs) Right now, this brand is still manageable enough for me to actually be here when people come. So anytime I'm home and I'm in Houston, I'm at Trillburg. You just pop up. Yeah, but I I, I typically will pop up here, not just for the customers, but for the staff too. I think it's important for the staff to know how hands-on I am with this brand because they know I could literally be as detached as possible. From this process, if I wanted to be, but it's already running like a machine. No, I care about this company. I care about y'all. I come in. How we doing, kitchen? How we doing, front of house? How we doing, guys? What do we need? Does any? Do I need to run an errand so that uh, management on staff doesn't have to go and we don't have to delegate employees? I still want to be as hands on with this company as possible. I think it's important for my employees to see. I think it's important for my customers to see, but it's also important for the next generation of me to see, especially if they want this brand.
2: Well, barn. Always a pleasure, my brother.
1: <laughs> Yo. Congratulations. Much success. Thank, nice. you Thank you so man. much. I can't, I
2: can't wait to try the chill the burger, man.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I tell you, man, every time I think about y'all, I'm like, I've earned a leisure, but when can I enjoy it? <laughs> <laughs> I think about when can I enjoy It's it. a constant journey. Yeah, <laughs> man, but I'm, I'm, I'm proud to be on it, man. Let my life be an example. Let my life be an example.
0: When McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.